discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in all areas of life. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with Susie, and we both have a passion to bring biblical reform to womanhood. I have a background in music and education, and Susie's training is in theology, biblical counseling, and women's ministry. And if you're just joining us, we've been making our way through Proverbs 31, the beautiful picture of the honor given to a godly woman. Proverbs 31:14 is where we're landing for this episode. And this verse says, she is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. And um, right off the top, that is quite a strange compliment to give a woman. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I, <don't>... I agree. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me no, before. No, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> um, but but as, as I was looking into this, there is just so much wisdom that we can glean from this verse. Um, the picture of a merchant ship traveling distances to find treasured items Exotic food is in direct contrast to our fast food, instant meals. I'm not knocking instant pot cooks here, but um, just that quick fix. Um, The godly woman we read about in this passage doesn't take shortcuts to provide sustainment and nourishment for her family. She's committed to bringing the best, even if it's difficult. I'm in a different situation than many women because my husband is an excellent cook and he really enjoys grocery shopping. And we recognize that our listeners may be also in circumstances that are unique to them. Susie, you work full time and you provide good meals to your family. You've taught cooking classes at the church. Can you explain how much planning and preparation goes into your daily and weekly life? Okay, well, I do enjoy cooking because I love eating. I I think I have super sensitive taste buds and they're just really, you know, ones that enjoy food. And so if you're going to enjoy food, you have to learn how to cook, right? And of course, I grew up in a home where we did a lot of home cooking and it was just a part of uh, my life and in how I grew up. Certainly when I was a full-time stay-at-home mom, I was able to spend more time with preparing and, and shopping and planning I also had five kids to feed, and so I I had to make sure that that was a daily priority, right? And it is something that I enjoy. My husband uh, is a hardworking man, but he does a lot of he does the outdoor stuff. I do the inside stuff, and so the cooking and and that falls on me. These days, I often just have maybe one or two at home, and sometimes nobody's home for dinner, so it's it's different. Things have changed, but. I think when we're thinking about our own home, and that starts from the time that you move out of uh, out of your parents' home. It could be when you're going to university or, or college, and you're living with roommates, or maybe you just bought your first home, but you're you're not married, but you're by yourself. You're starting a home. Maybe you're just married, or maybe you have kids. Whatever your situation might be, I think it's good to start with good habits right away. And maybe you learned a lot of good habits from your family at home, and maybe you didn't. But uh, take some time to consider it, because food is such a big part of our life. And it's actually important that we have, like you said, a right relationship um, with food. Super important. So let's have good habits and as much as we don't want to be stuck with our routines and, you know, get rigid, habits do help guide us and they become natural to us and it makes life easier. And I think it's it's good to have good habits for, for many reasons. And one of the reasons is that 
Cooking meals is a necessary part of family life. I believe it is both necessary physically to nourish, that's the obvious, but it's also necessary for discipleship. Lots can be accomplished around the dinner table. And even if you're not married with children, discipleship can happen around your table when you invite your friends over, maybe when you host an out-of-town guest in your home. If you've never gotten into the habit of cooking meals and sitting around the table, it's going to be awkward having people over. But just because you're not married shouldn't be an excuse or a hindrance to inviting people into your home. I really think it's valuable regardless of whether you're married or not. And so I think let's start some good habits. And the first one is have regular meal times where you all sit at the table. So whoever is in your home, you sit at the table rather than scattered around the house or in the living room or whatever it might be. And uh, I do recognize with our schedules, a few nights of the week, you might be on the run and go. And so you, you don't actually get to sit down at the table, but make it a priority for most of your evenings. And if that means you need to cut some things out of your life, then I think you should. So that reminds me actually, when COVID first hit, I think one of the things that people enjoyed the most at first before it got really boring and annoying is that their families were actually at home together. Mm -hmm. They actually sat down at the table and ate meals and they got creative and they, so many people started baking bread. And so that reminds me and tells me that it's not that people don't enjoy it. They often just are too busy to make Mm -hmm. it happen. But actually doing these things is a benefit and a blessing to your home. And so make it a priority, even if that means cutting out some activities. It's more important for you to be together and to value gathering as a family than it is to make sure your kids are in all the sports. Uh, Dinner times are also an opportunity for prayer. One of the things that we did with our kids when they uh, were all saved is we'd take turns. We had five kids, and then there's, of course, Aaron and I. We would each take turns one day of the week. We would each pray. Monday nights was my night, and then Tuesday nights was Josiah's night, and we just took turns, gave each of them an opportunity to pray. And uh, that just helped them to be comfortable praying as a family. And uh, many times it'd be simple prayers, but I think you can implement much into that praying for the needs of your family or the needs of those around you. Just take a few moments to do that. It teaches your kids how to pray and that you do pray as a family, that prayer is important. Once again, you're not just telling your kids that you're praying for them, but you actually pray with them. And then it's an opportunity to talk about your day. One of the things that we would ask our kids, what was your high today or what was your low today? Uh, And just naturally, you're going to start talking about what happens and they get to know you and you get to know them. It's an opportunity for jokes. I know uh, my husband, most people that know him, he says a lot of jokes. So our dinner table can get a little crazy sometimes. And that's when I step in and have to kind of subdue things. Uh, So mother and father are both important, right? I I value the jokes. I love laughter. But Sometimes, you know, subduing what's going on is important too. So we all have our role, right? (laughs) And I think it builds routine and consistency into your life. That is so important. And in this world where we're so busy and there's so many opportunities, it's that reminder that sometimes you just need to sit down and 
be consistent, have a routine, and it's actually a good thing. It's not limiting. It's actually freeing to be able to do that. And the importance of gathering, whether your kids are little or older, whether you're, it's just you and your husband or maybe you're alone, mealtimes are meant to be enjoyed. And maybe if you are alone, most of your nights are alone, but maybe that's the motivation that you need to invite somebody into mm-hmm. your home so that you're not alone mm-hmm. every night. And then, of course, I think having a rule like no cell phones at the table, you can stay away from your cell phone for 30 minutes, right? And no TV. We never did that. We never had the TV on while uh, we had family dinner. So many people have TVs going on nonstop. Uh, I think we need a break from that. Mm -hmm. And then fellowship. And this is an opportunity where you encourage people to come into your home and with you once again Uh, It helps if you've practiced maybe cooking a few of your own meals. And whether it's you or your husband or or whoever it is, it's nice to be able to bring someone into your home with a home-cooked meal. When it comes to cooking meals, it doesn't have to be fancy. I I really am a big um, advocate of that. I think many people are intimidated because, well, once again, it's probably the Instagram influence and what would we call them food fluencers maybe that they cook all these fancy meals and it it gives us the idea that if I'm going to have a meal at home I have to put on this big fancy spread and make it look all decorative and designed and set my table in such a way that it looks like it just came uh, out of a magazine and hey you know what once again I think that's great. I think beauty is a beautiful way to express the beauty of God, but it's not necessary, especially on a regular basis. Don't put that expectation on yourself. It's better to cook a simple meal that your family can enjoy rather than running out and grabbing pizza for the fifth time in a row than to have that expectation that you have to have something fancy. Mm -hmm. So even if you find seven meals that you can do and rotate them in weekly, that's still quite a bit of variation. That's better than five nights of pizza, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, at the same time, I would say cook a variety of foods and don't have chicken every single night (laughs) unless, of course, you're allergic to chicken or pork and beef. My daughter actually right now, she's nursing her baby, so she's actually off pork and beef that really helped her with the baby the baby's very content with chicken and fish so she's not eating those things so she maybe has a little bit of a limited variety of foods but if you are able to I just strongly encourage you to introduce a variety of foods to your children mm-hmm. have them try new things so I'll tell you one thing I have a friend she's actually my my daughter's ages and uh, we have a little joke going every once in a while I'll uh, talk to her about you know what what have you tried that's new these days so it's kind of like the what do we call it try a new food friday and when she's with me she'll try new foods which is fantastic she doesn't necessarily love them because she got into the habit of eating chicken essentially Mm -hmm. that's what she eats chicken and pasta i think but when she's with me she'll try new things and i always encourage her to do that and I, th- I think it might be too late for her. She might never really love a variety of foods. But I hope that it reminds her that maybe she can introduce new foods if she is able to have children. Um, but if you're that woman, I would just encourage you to stretch yourself, be willing to try new things, and then be devoted to teach your kids to try new things mm-hmm. as well. When my... Uh, kids were young. I'm pretty sure I did this one time because I had a really bad meal. I 
I gave them lentils, and it was one of the first times I cooked lentils, and they weren't great. They were very bland, and so I I did have to give them the freedom to to not enjoy them. And I think it was at that point. I'm pretty sure I did this. And if not, it would be a good idea to do this. I gave them the opportunity to say, put down on a list, I think it was three things that they didn't like. The reality is we're not going to like everything. Mm -hmm. We all have different taste buds and there's certain things that we just won't enjoy. So I gave them the opportunity to have three things on their list. So if I had made a meal with those three three things, they wouldn't have to eat it. But everything else they had to eat. And my kids are not picky eaters. They they eat pretty much everything. And they don't necessarily love everything, but they're good. They're, they're not fussy. And I, I hope to think that me giving them a variety of foods, not giving them an option, was one of the things that helped them to enjoy a variety. I think that's only a blessing, especially if you're going to be hanging out with people if you're going to be invited into other people's homes, you have to be willing to try mm-hmm. new things. And, of course, that takes preparation and shopping. When my kids were young, I always took them with me. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe I look back and I think it might have been nice if I didn't have to take them with me. That must have been so boring for them to be walking around <laughs> the grocery store with me. But now that they're older, I still actually go grocery shopping with my two girls and sometimes my daughter-in-law comes along with us as well and we just enjoy it it's it's a a thing that we do Uh, my youngest daughter likes to come along when she's able to she's still in school so she can't always come but she likes to know what's being bought what's available for for the week (laughs) and it's actually helpful having her there because I get into a routine of just buying all the same things and she helps bring variety in so I enjoy it it is something special uh, but I do like to get a good deal. I I somewhat plan, as, depending on your needs, plan around what's on sale that week and buy those meats, buy the meats mm-hmm. that are on sale or the vegetables, the fruits that are on sale and plan your meals around. I think having somewhat of a meal plan is also valuable. It helps guide you or on the day that you've had a busier day than usual. It's like, okay, well, I've already prepared to make this meal. I just actually have to do it now. And I'm not a super rigid person when it comes to things like that. I'll, I'll have somewhat of a general plan, but I'm free to change it. Whereas my sister, she's different than I am. If she's got a meal on the list for Tuesday night, that's what she has to cook. She can't vary from that, right? She's a list person. I'm like pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. But it's a good guide. I do, I do think it, it guides you and makes sure that you've got food for your mm-hmm. family and when you haven't had time to be creative to think about it, at least it's it's there. You know, okay, yeah, I was going to cook um, chicken legs today, so that's what I'm going to do. I just have to cook the chicken legs, you know, add some potatoes, salad, or whatever it might be, and I know what I'm doing. And I do, I do think it is good also to price match. We have lots of opportunities to do that. A lot of stores will do price matches. So instead of going to five different stores, why not try to get as many things at one store as you're able to? And just the options that you have with price matching, the meat, the dairies, the fruits, the staples that are healthy and essential, but can be quite pricey if you don't find that price match. And then there's apps on your phone that you can even just download the price match quite easily. Uh, that I think being planned, being prepared, and then being consistent, having a variety, it's just a good way to set a good habit. 
mm-hmm. for your family. Mm-hmm. Thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. That's good. You, you had a comment about um, praying with your children earlier, and, um, and I love that. We have our kids um, pray at the dinner table as well, and it also gives you a chance to see their heart, right? When they're praying, you can see what, what, what's on their heart, and I love, I mm. love seeing that. Um, yeah, thank you, Susie. So the Bible gives us instruction to steward our bodies, and just like many good gifts that God gives us, we mess it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we eat too much processed food. We overeat. We maybe yo-yo diet. We obsess the other way and maybe restrict calories to an unhealthy limit, or we don't actually enjoy food. And I see how you have raised five adult children and how you and Pastor Aaron live a really balanced lifestyle. How have you par- parented your kids to have a healthy relationship with food And what advice would you give to women who struggle with eating, with their weight, and especially to mothers of of younger girls? Yeah, it's this is a big question, Mm -hmm. and I certainly haven't done it perfectly. Like I said, I do love food, so I have to be constantly reminding myself as well to use food properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my new favorite words that I've been thinking about is subdue, and it's not a new word, but... A word that I just see is so important to our culture and especially to the Christian life. I looked up the definition for subdue and it says to overcome, quieten, or bring under control a feeling or a person. And then it gives the example, she managed to subdue an instinct to applaud. Mm. Just the idea of being a self-controlled person. Sadly, that is not something that's necessarily championed in our society, and it is not well modeled in our society. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you want it, you can have it. That's, Mm -hmm. I think, what is being promoted in many ways, uh, maybe, you know, very overtly, maybe just quietly as well. So obviously that starts with subduing ourselves. Bring your own desires and feelings under control because if you're not doing that your kids are going to pick up on that whether you tell them to or not right Mm -hmm. and so learn to to manage that and I love the word quieten so quiet those desires in your body Mm -hmm. and as Christians actually one of the ways to do that is to start fasting it's Mm -hmm. a biblical discipline that is so valuable and that's where we put our flesh under control and say, Mm -hmm. no, you're not going to get what it wants. You are going to learn to be obedient and submissive to the Lord. You're not going to get away with just desiring and craving and letting that go under control. And so if that's what you need to do, start by fasting. And in fact, I think that's a good habit to have whether you need to or not. Once again, it's definitely something I need to do more in my life. I think it's a very valuable thing. And then we subdue our children. And if you notice that you have children that are uncontrollable, whether it's their emotions or their attitudes or their behavior, or maybe it is their eating, they need to be subdued. They need to learn to control. And I think if you help them subdue one area, it's going to teach them to subdue the other areas as well. And uh, that's our job as parents to teach our children, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we see adults who have no self-control 
they're emotionally out of control, they're relationally out of control, and it's evident that they're out of control with their cravings as well, and they might even be involved in substance abuse. And yeah, it's hard to see that. It's it's sad, but and they're as adults, they are now responsible to learn to subdue. But many times that's a problem that started way younger when they were children mm-hmm. and their parents never said no or their parents never said that's enough or their parents said let's eat this instead of that. Uh, and sometimes that can be just parents wanting to be generous. Parents that might have a lot, they might have unlimited resources and they just have a very generous spirit and they want to give their children everything they want. It might come from a well-motivated heart, but it's actually not a good thing to do. I think we need to subdue our children. And uh, this is a habit that will really benefit them as they grow into adults. Uh, So with that, we also have to provide healthy options. We can't expect them to be healthy if we haven't provided healthy options. I, uh, when my kids were packing their lunch for school, I would always put at least one fruit in there. And I, when they started making their own lunches, I would tell them they had to put one fruit in there. Other than that, they could put some treats in there, but they had to have one fruit Mm -hmm. and a sandwich. Um, And then once again, that idea of a right relationship with food I have to be careful myself, right? Because it's like, oh, I need a coffee. But I'll correct myself when I say that because I don't want to teach myself that I need coffee. Mm. And I don't want my kids, even as adults, to hear me say, I need a coffee. I don't need a coffee. I need the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. But there's times when I really enjoy a coffee. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to enjoy food. I think we need to remember that sometimes we can be on these yo-yo diets or be so focused on weight loss that food becomes almost like uh, a vice for us. And it shouldn't be. Food is meant to be enjoyed. God has given it to us as a gift. But let's not use it as a reward. And one big thing, I think, especially probably as women, we use it as comfort, right? Mm -hmm. And we might have had a stressful day or a very exhausting day. And then we sit down at night and we take all those things that we shouldn't a scoop full of Nutella or a bag of chips or a big bowl of ice cream whatever it might be to comfort our exhausted soul Mm -hmm. or our burnt out soul and so we have to be careful about that and then also careful that that's not how we're primarily comforting our children either right we want to make sure we're enjoying food for and making sure that we're talking about as nourishment but it's not a reward and it's not comfort. And uh, just being careful about that. And then the other thing that actually I felt very awkward about at first, but my husband would do this, is to talk to the children about weight. So mm. if you have a children that are either one or the other lazy and then overeating or maybe eating too much junk food, and then you're beginning to see that, weight gain, especially in those preteen years where their bodies are changing, you as a parent should actually talk to them about that. I think that is probably so anti-culture because it's, you know, the unforbidden rule that you should never, ever talk to anybody about their weight. Mm -hmm. But these are our children. Mm -hmm. And I do know that different family genetics can 
be different. And so some people are bigger than others. And it's not about all reaching one specific, uh, you know, clothing size. Uh, We can't be obsessed with that. But if your children are gaining weight, we should talk to them about that and, and help them to set up healthy eating plans, make sure that they're, we're encouraging them to be active. And yes, let's enjoy food. Let's not talk about it all the time, but sometimes it's necessary to talk to them about it. And uh, you will actually benefit your children by doing that. Uh, it It's one of those things, I think, as well, that if you suddenly see a change in your child's eating habits, you should be aware that there's probably something going on. And children will either eat, start eating too much, or they're going to stop eating when they're going under stress. Mm. And many times, kids that have been traumatized, maybe through sexual abuse, they will, uh, they'll start eating, maybe they'll start eating food and that's their only way to comfort themselves. And you should take note, if your kid suddenly starts eating a lot or you're sensing that maybe they're sneaking food, that's a good sign there's something really, really wrong. And talk to your child about it. Don't be afraid to, to ask the tough, tough questions. Another response can be to stop eating. And that's another reason why it's so important to actually sit down at the table with your children because then you'll see if they're not eating all their food or if they're always saying, oh, I'm not hungry. But if you're always here, there, and everywhere, how are you going to notice these things? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that children sometimes take control of their life. They've lost control. Maybe it's, it could be the loss of somebody important. It could be a, a death in the family or it could be abuse or who knows? There could be other stresses just happening in their friendships. Mm-hmm. But food is a good indicator that something else is going on. Mm-hmm. So take note and talk to your kids about that and then help them to cope and manage whatever their stress might be. Help them to process it biblically and then also guide them to have a good relationship with food, using it properly, not as, you know, something that they have no control over, but not something that they feel like is a bad thing either. Food is not sin. It's only when we overeat and become gluttons that it becomes mm. sin. Great, great advice. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's good for, for us to know, to have that um, that warning sign to watch out for our kids if they do change their their eating habits to to be aware of that um, and to always um, be willing to have those conversations with your kids about food and and uh, not feel like it's taboo to talk to them about what they're eating or um, even their lifestyle of exercise and that yeah that's great um, so back to this merchant ship uh, it can't it can't move on its own power this this ship needs help from the wind and the current. Um, It didn't have a motor back then. Uh, And just like this ship needs external forces to guide it, we can't emulate this ideal woman on our own power. We need the Lord's help to guide and to be the force behind what we do. How can women who are doing all the things, trying to emulate this godly woman we read about, avoid burnout? And what should we do when we reach our human capacity? Uh, So once again, I I think of the word subdue. Mm. Uh, Subdue really is a spiritual act where we are bringing things under control. Mm. We are the stewards and God is ultimate. You know, 
the great steward, the if we were to say we are the managers, we are managers under God, mm. and God has entrusted our life to us, and we are to use it well and to, to steward that means that means that we're not doing too much and we're not doing too little. Mm. We need to stay on mission, remembering that everything we do, we do it for the glory of God. And we, we say this a lot in our church, but let's never say it uh, complacently or without really putting thought to it. We really should be doing things to glorify God. And if, if we're doing it for him, then we don't need to be on the verge of burnout. This means that if you do feel burnout, there's probably um, three things happening. Uh, you are either doing it in your own strength, right? You're doing it because you're talented, you're gifted, or you think you know it all, or everybody needs you and you're not actually relying on the Lord. You're doing things you shouldn't be, so we need to learn to say no. Do things for God's glory, not as a people pleaser. And if we're doing too many things, we're probably doing it because we feel like we're up needing to please people Mm -hmm. not god god's never gonna put us in a position where we're too busy and on the verge of burnout and and then thirdly we might be in a in a season of life that has just something has happened it could be the birth of a new child it could be moving to a new city or it could be just experienced a loss of a family member or maybe you yourself are sick and if those uh, are true of you maybe you just really can't be doing a whole lot you need to attend to those things those are your priorities right now not all the things that you could mm-hmm. be doing mm-hmm. right and so more than ever you need to learn to say no and uh, once again we often talk about being a steward means that we're not owners we don't own all these things that have been entrusted to us we are to steward them and I was actually chatting with someone recently that talked about how, um, as ch- as as women, if we're mothers, then we're called to steward our, our children. But this particular woman had gone through a couple of miscarriages. And so, of course, she's mourning the loss of not being able to have children or mourning the loss that she lost two children, that they weren't with her. She wasn't able to raise them. And she came to the realization that we're not just called to steward children, but if God has given us trials, then we are called to steward our trials. And I thought that was very insightful because, of course, most women, deep down, whether they admit it or not, they really do desire to have children. But that's not everybody's story. Not all women will have children for one reason or another. Some women aren't able to. Uh, so if we have children, we should steward them. But if God has given you trials in this season of your life, then that's what you need to be stewarding and focusing on and managing well. And uh, and so I think we need to be able to know what has been given to me right now that I need to steward. It's not about being... Uh, you know, someone who just looks out for yourself and um, just love yourself first. And it's not about a me mentality at all. It's about what has God given me Mm -hmm. and how can I steward this for his glory? 
And we we all we all have to go through times of reassessment, right? There's times when life is busier and we have to just stay focused. Uh, this year, probably the first six, seven months of, of this year, there's a lot of events happening in our family, really good events. But I know that I have to be focused in all the things. It's I'm thinking one event at a time. Mm-hmm. I want to make each event special for the person that we're having the event for. I want that person to be honored. Uh, I, I can't do all the things, but I... I want to make each event an honorable event for that person and ultimately for the glory of God, right? So there's busy seasons, and during those seasons, it's just super important that you are continuing to stay subdued, to spend time with the Lord, find times of refreshing, right? What refreshes you in the Lord? Certainly, you need to be in His Word and in prayer. Take time to rest, to sit down, uh, take a breather, you don't have to be just go, 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 go from, you know, sun up till sundown. There's moments where you can just take, even if it's five minutes throughout your day or, or 10 minutes here, sit down and, and uh, enjoy just the beauty of looking outdoors or go for a quick walk or call a friend or whatever it is that helps you to feel at rest take time to do that even in your busy seasons and you'll find that you can actually do a whole lot more than if you just go 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 all the time and remember you're a steward learn how to subdue your desires your feelings your emotions and ultimately do it all for the glory of god i love that i love the word subdue and it you know brings us back to uh, i think a lot of the things that we talked about today having that self-control and um, not getting overwhelmed by all the things that are happening in your life or, or looking around um, our country right now even. It can, it can feel overwhelming, but just knowing that God is a God of order and not chaos and to just be still and have those times of refreshing, that's a great word. Thank you, Susie. Well, we hope this conversation has been beneficial to you and that you've been encouraged to find some practical ways to live this verse out. So please join us again in a couple of weeks as we continue to look at the Proverbs woman and how to apply these truths in today's context. Join us again in rebuilding biblical womanhood from the foundation up.